Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I still think we should have opened this episode with a line brawl. I think that's what the people wanted to see. All three of us just dropping the gloves. Remotely? I don't even know who I'd punch first. Absolutely, it'd be Brad. Both of us would absolutely try to punch Brad first. Yeah, knowing okay. You, I'm down with that. At least we're knowing both on you, the same page. Yeah. And knowing you two, you guys would attempt it, miss, and somehow end up hitting each other. I'd be out of breath uh, that's fine. in like 10 <laughs> seconds. So I always uh I always have big dreams of like when I fought in hockey, which wasn't often, but like when I would throw gloved punches. Because when you're younger, you're not taking your gloves off because kids have cages. I'd always have big dreams about how hard I was going to hit the other kid. And then you take one good shot to the dome and that just like that feeling of getting rocked in the nose. And then the the pause after or you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's exactly what would happen. I, I would have a few seconds where Evan and I would go after you, Brad. But then the moment Evan turned on me, it would be over. Just be on my ass. Me and my brother used to play uh, helmets and gloves in the basement. and. Uh, He's he's built a lot different than me. He's big kid, strong kid, and uh, he used to do it one handed to give me a better fight. And it's still, I don't think I beat him once. Actually, what do you mean? I don't think I never came close to beating him once. That explains so much about you. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It's not hard to to, to peel back the layers. Honestly, it's all right there. <laughs> so, the uh, the world of hockey is upside down. The Rangers are currently playing the Capitals, and the only reason we are still uh, recording at this time instead of watching the game is because Tom Wilson's out for the game with an upper body injury. What that upper body injury is, it might be his wrist because he got slashed pretty hard uh, by Buchanavich, I think, but it could also be that the league called in and said, hey, you're not going to play anymore. This shit's getting out of hand. That 100% yeah, is not it, right? You don't think the league might have called down and said, no. hey, just keep him out? No. Uh, are we doing this now or later? No, no. Let me intro first. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Man, Evan's riled up. You know this is going to be good because Evan actually has a hard opinion on this. <laughs> then intro. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Wind Wheel Podcast. We're about to fight. My name is Ryan Hanna. <laughs> I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Uh, this episode of the podcast, we're obviously going to be covering everything that's happened with Tom Wilson, the Washington Capitals, and the New York Rangers, the fallout that came from that uh, in terms of, well, everything, people getting fired, fights, et cetera, et cetera. Some news about the Red Wings. Uh, we'll be doing our prospect profile and uh, an update on the U18s. Um, first, want to double back and chat about our ongoing fundraiser. It's going to be running until the end of the week for the Jamie Daniels Foundation uh, with our $1,000 match uh, with the help of uh, Everett at Born to Den Hard on Twitter. Uh, you guys have helped raise over almost $2,400 so far for the Jamie Daniels Foundation, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, we're going to keep this going. Let's see how high we can get this. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows, but the Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. Visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Check out our tweet uh, about it where uh, you should reply with the screenshot of your donation more details there all right guys 
the Tom Wilson incident. Let's do this thing. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the actual scrum that started it all? Do we want to start with tonight with all the brawls? No, we should go chronological order, um, just in case anybody listening isn't fully up to date on everything that's happened, because this has been just a, for lack of a better term, shit show for the last 48 hours. And uh, the NHL's deserved every minute of it, but uh, yeah, we, we should probably go chronological here. Okay, I'm going to start, but you guys step in whenever, because very clearly we have different opinions on this. Well, are we doing the chronological order, or are we giving our opinions? A little bit of both, why not? It's a podcast, there's no rules. Police aren't here. Well, Brad's a cop, but he has no power here. Uh, Rangers versus Capitals, there's a scrum at the net. Uh, Buchanovich is on the ice, face down, essentially. Tom Wilson falls down with him with his... uh, stick across kind of the back of his neck slash head pushing down on him uh i don't have the clip in front of me but as far as i remember he punched him in the head while he was down there after leaning on the back of his neck with his stick he did a buchnevich was pinned underneath and his arm was pinned at his side um buchnevich really didn't have a way of protecting himself and that's when wilson decided to feed him a punch to the side of the head Details are fuzzy here for me. Um, There's a scrum. Everyone's kind of going at it. Wilson is pulled away and then is like gets knocked down, gets up and punches someone else who's down. Not anywhere bad. I think he punched him like the hip or something, which is when Artemi Panarin uh, jumps on him from behind, grabs him to pull him off. They scrum. Scrum is a a word. Like Wilson has completely lost it at this point. He pulls – uh Panarin down and if you look at the replays he actually pulled him down by his hair like his glove was had a fistful of Panarin's hair at least that's what I saw of it pulled him down by his hair slammed him down by his head on the ice um I want to say through a punch it wasn't like he was a clean punch to to Panarin's face or head but he did throw a glove punch to him and then you know it was just the big scrum the refs got in there blah 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 I thought that whole thing in its totality was worthy of a suspension. Outside of the fact that that was Tom Wilson. Yeah. Adding that that's Tom Wilson, I don't see how that wasn't automatically just a game for the league to step in and say, hey, Tom, piss off. We just suspended you for some dumb shit. Stop doing this. Yeah. And we can't ignore the fact that it was Tom Wilson and he's been suspended so many times before. Um, And the one thing, and arguably the most important part of this when factoring about whether it should have been a suspension or not, I don't even know if you you pointed it out. When Wilson grabbed Panarin by the back of his hair and, and threw him to the ice, Panarin didn't have a helmet on. Like, if he made solid contact with the ice there, uh, that could be devastating. Like, you know, you don't want to say career ending because that's unlikely but possible um you know we the nhl comes down hard on slew foots and players are wearing helmets when that happens this was more violent and without a helmet um the the stuff with buchnevich it was dirty don't get me wrong it wasn't not dirty you you smash a guy's head into the ice and then feed him a cheap shot while he's pinned that's dirty as hell we see that happen a lot during during the season or some very similar things that don't get suspended. So 
Could I have justified a suspension for Wilson for what he did to Buchnevich because it's Wilson? Yeah. On its own, was that worthy of a suspension? No, probably not. It's everything with Panarin that gets me. Because Panarin, he didn't want to fight Wilson, and Wilson knew this. Panarin was just like, hey, man, stop punching my teammate in the head and tried to pull him off, at which case Wilson's just like, well, no, now I'm going to beat the shit out of you, even though he's got, you know, what, 40 pounds and whatever you want to say it is on Panarin. Panarin clearly wanted no part of that. He didn't have a helmet. Um, Wilson still threw him to the ice, still did all the shit he did. I almost His skate almost caught him in the head from what I saw at one point when he was on top of them. It's just, it's garbage. And on its own, if you isolate any one of these incidents, are they worth a two, three, four, five game suspension? No, probably not. The accumulation of events, factoring in who Tom Wilson is, yeah, this should have been a decently long suspension. I'm not saying you should have been out for, you know, the whole first round of the playoffs, but that should have been the end of the regular season for him. Um, you know, we've not that it should matter a ton factoring into a suspension, but it should matter a little bit. We always talk about how the NBA markets and hypes up its star players and that's why the nba is where they are artemi panarin's a top 10 top five hockey player in the world and now his season's over because of this now i understand it's only three four games who really gives a shit probably people who have tickets to those rangers games probably rangers fans probably anybody planning on watching a new york game for the rest of the season and you know your their biggest entertainment value is now not there um whether or not it's a serious injury, a kind of quasi made up injury just to get more punishment doled out. I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Evan, Evan, I know you disagree at some point here and I want to hear how, because we're going to hear a lot of, I think, you know, Brad and I are more or less on the same page and I don't want to get this to get too far without hearing your take. Yeah. So I was just listening because I wanted to know, because there's obviously separate incidences in this. And I was interested to see where you guys thought were the what the egregious were, ones were and where we would uh, differ. And it's actually backwards from what I thought. Um, well, is it backwards from what I thought? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, actually. Um, I had no problems with the Panarin stuff at all. And let me explain. Huh. He's a big boy, Panarin. You can't jump on somebody's back. I'm not a Tom Wilson defender either. I will also state that. But you got to know what you're getting yourself into. Like, Tom Wilson is 6'4", 230 pounds, brick shithouse. And Panarin looks like the underdeveloped little brother compared to him. It's like Ryan and his brother. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) It's not wrong. You're not wrong. But, like, you poke poke the bear. Like, that that stuff's going to happen. And... We see stuff like that all the time in the NHL. Um, the The problem for me was the Buchnevich uh, thing. Th- that was a, a defenseless player on his back, basically stuck in his position, and he gave a shot to him. That's where I had the issue. Um, the other, on the first time I watched through, when he I, I, there was somebody on the ground... And he took another shot at them. I thought that was like into the body and that was going to be a problem. But it ended up just being a handful of butt. So wasn't too rattled about that. But I had a good Friday night. Yeah. We just call that a Friday night. Um, I just I 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I didn't watch it before I went on the internet, which is probably an issue. And they made it sound like he pulled a a switchblade out of his pants and shanked three players. And he was going to the electric chair. Like, maybe that's why I feel the way I do is because the internet obviously made it sound way worse than what people perceived it was. But when I watched it, I didn't even think of the Panarin thing at first. I was like, oh, yeah, he just just took a shot at a guy who's laying on the ground. And then everybody's freaking about, out about the Panarin thing. And I didn't I honestly don't see much to it. I, I like it's 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 a big boy league. You're a big boy. Like you can't like I don't know. I'm sorry. I love the you guys know me. I love the I love the WWE stuff. I love the 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 game within the game and I love the the self-policing in the NHL. And I think that's what makes hockey unique. So obviously I'm on a different side of it, but I just I don't see it. I see a suspension on the Buchnevich headshot, cheap shot. I just don't see it with the Panarin thing. I agree that part of it, like it, it was in a sense overblown. And I think a lot of that is a very real, like tangible, emotional response to Tom Wilson. Because Tom Wilson is out there. I don't want to say he comes onto the ice ready to hurt guys, but he be, he comes unhinged, right? Like this is a guy who snaps. I want to add that. I think there was a roughing call on him in the game that he was pissed about. So he was already a lit fuse. And that's that's on the refs. Yeah. Like yeah. They they are the first line of defense to the players, right? Like they kind of let this guy run amok and you know, he does this stuff like this was a burning a burning stick of dynamite and it blew up. Well, it's not I, on the ref, so if they did call the f- the penalty, if, if well, he didn't like the penalty, yeah, so that's on him, not the refs. It's not the refs' fault that he yeah. shit his pants because they told him not to do that. And getting back to your one point, because it was an interesting point, but I I do disagree with it. Where you say it's a big boy league, so Panarin knows what he's getting into, but Panarin didn't get into what he thought he was getting into. There, you see scrums a million times in the NHL season where a guy gets pinned on the ground. Buddies on top of him, and then a teammate just grabs a guy like, hey, hey, get off of him. This is done. Panarin wasn't trying to fight Tom Wilson. He's just like, hey, hey, that's over. It's not like Panarin came in and put him in a chokehold. He's like, hey, get off him. He didn't stand up and square up. It was if, if I'm looking for a dance partner in a scrum like that, I'm not grabbing Tom Wilson. I'm grabbing No, he wasn't. That's my point. Smallest, he wasn't looking for I'm a grabbing dance the partner. He wasn't looking for a dance partner, though. He his Panarin's involvement in this to start was basically, hey, please don't kill my friend. And then all of a sudden, he's the one getting murdered. Like- I don't think either of you are wrong here. Like, I don't think either of you are wrong. For sure, if you're going to grab someone, and I think Panarin was right, like Brad, he was just trying to pull him off. But there is a liability. Evan, you're right. If you pull someone off, you're th- you're next. But it's not like there's- Tom Wilson turned around and was like, oh, it's Artemi Panarin. I'll let him him him. No, be. no. And he's already like seeing red. The wires are totally That's crossed. That's it though. Like the guy was deranged. If you want to fight the person who's pulling you off, there's a way to do it. And I know that sounds like stupid and I'm trying to add rules to like an all out brawl, but there is a way to do it. And it's not grabbing the back of his hair 
and pulling him down, right? Like Tom Wilson wasn't operating under any like fighter's code or like code in a scrum. He was punching, he punched a guy who was defensive, defenseless. He went to go punch someone else who was down. He did punch Panarin when he was down and he pulled him down by his hair. Like that's my thing. I, I understand how the whole thing was overblown, but this isn't someone who was, this wasn't a, a typical hockey player in a scrum. That's where people lose me when they're like, this happens all the time. I think he genuinely has anger issues and he's going to hurt someone oh, yeah. today. Like, I, you know what? If you look at it from a, the whole, I would have no problem with the suspension because it was a guy who was unhinged and he needs the NHL to, be, to give him a timeout, to, to give him a little bit of a pee pee whack. But <laughs> like, it, breaking That's what it it's down in the into, rule book, actually. Yeah. Breaking it down play by like instance by instance, that's just kind of how I've I've felt about it. Yeah, yeah, but you got and you nailed the exact point. Like again, as I mentioned earlier, if you break down each individual action that happened, none of them were super egregious. Slamming Panarin to the ice without a helmet, yeah, that by itself to me was the one that suspendable play on its own in a vacuum. And even that, that's not a long suspension. But like you said, the fact that he just, he zoned out, he saw red, he lost all control, he was unhinged, whatever word you want to use, that's the problem. That's why he needs the rule book thrown at him. Because this is going to happen again. The guy has no control. He glosses over and it's lights out for anybody within 20 feet of him, whether that person's six foot five or five foot two. And you can't have that again because I'm, I'm fine. You want to have fighting in hockey. I'm not anti fighting. You want to have scrums. You want to have this self policing. Fine. That is all fine to an extent, of course. But. You can't have these absolute lunatics doing whatever the hell they want. Someone is going to get seriously injured because the conversations on Twitter now, like, and the people having it aren't wrong. Yeah, their initial overreactions were worse, but they're like, Tom Wilson's going to end someone's career before his career is over. Like, you almost bet money on it. He's going to Matt Cook somebody. Like, so somewhere I, I something it. has to intervene, whether it's, um, uh, someone on Tom Wilson's team. Tom Wilson goes to a psychiatrist. Um, he hey, becomes a re- reborn something. He or might just the or the league the league does something, but or or someone on another team does something to to self police, like we sort of saw tonight. Um, but it's just going to continue. Like at some point, there has to be breakers. And you know what? If they, I think if they would have just thrown a suspension in on it, regardless of how the, everybody feels about it, I think it would have just diffused the situation a little bit more than uh, <laughs> the seven fights tonight. <laughs> well, perfect transition because you know whose job it is to be that intervening factor, George Peros. That's well, his he's job. he's done a good job though overall before this. Has he done his job? Like, I'm not even saying has he done a good job or a bad job. Has he done it? George has Peros, act- I, I'm going to open. George Peros has done what he thinks his job is. George Peros, I like, 
George Peros in the league like this. Like they want this. They're perfectly happy with the line brawl tonight. They think of this as ratings. They think of this as drama. They think this is completely okay. This is what this is the hockey philosophy George Peros falls into. And I'm not anti-fighting. Like I'm a meathead. I'm a Neanderthal. I saw the line brawl and I was like, the whole situation's dumb, but like, hell yeah, I'm into this. But at the same time, like the ratings tonight were probably nuts. Like I'm watching and I don't even wa- I was telling you, I don't watch hockey right now because I just hate how bad the Red Wings are. Yeah. Like like this is <laughs> this is top notch television. Oh, man. And can I just say I'm so happy. I hope this is the last time we hear Pierre on a game. It's just mind numbing. Oh, stuff. man. He's got his hands oh. down both sides of the pants. Jeez. Like, oh, my God. He is. Whose water are you carrying, dude? So brutal. The the Rangers put out a statement, and I want to hear your takes on it. They, they put out a statement specifically calling out the fitness of George Peros to execute the duties of uh, Director of Department of Player Safety. Um, I think it's also worth noting that Colin Campbell has a lot to say there, too. He's He oversees that, and by all rights, he has a lot of control in that department. It's not like Peros has full autonomy. Um, the Rangers put out that statement. I personally loved it. Like, if you're going to make the decision to not to not suspend him, even just for a game, like Evan said, it didn't have to be much, just enough to diffuse it where you don't get what you got tonight. That's the most valuable team in the league. They really affect the way things go in terms of the league's business. They're a major stakeholder. Hell yeah, I put out that statement. I'm perfectly fine with it. How many times do we have to complain about George Peros? Like, I know Pierre was on the broadcast saying he thinks he went a step too far. No, screw that, man. Like, if this is the situation that the league is going to get behind, then they should be able to face the criticism for it. Yeah, all bets are off when stuff like this happens. Um, because, again, if this was a one-off bad decision for George Peros, is anybody really that upset? Are the Rangers releasing that statement? No, it's because it's been a consistent cycle of absolute incompetence in the job. And A former NHL enforcer being the head of department player safety alone is comical. And we've got exactly what we thought we would get when an enforcer went into that role. Put Paul Korea in that role. Put Mark Savard in that role. Put the guys who have been on the other end of those instances in the seat of this uh, role and you will see things change. But the statement, love it. Love it. Do you know, I hate James Dolan as an owner. Like he's a terrible person. We're going to get into that for another reason shortly. But you know what? You know who read that statement? Every player on the New York Rangers. Do you know who loved that statement? Every player on the New York Rangers. They are like, yeah, drag him. Screw that guy. Like, they got carte blanche to pull all the shit they did that they, all the shit they pulled tonight, honestly, and the owner's probably loving it. Uh, Of course, if someone is bad at their job and they're going to let your team get injured because of it and because they're shitty at their job yeah call them out one like evan mentioned earlier and and ryan you did too this is entertainment hell yeah days of our lives up this shit i am all for it (laughs) the nhl has no good storylines and this is for all the wrong reasons but this is for one hell of a storyline and we're all watching it um, I, I was literally on FaceTime with a friend of mine uh, just talking about the Canada game. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, shit, the Rangers game's on. And we popped it on and we're absolutely laughing at the chaos. So, yeah, I have no problem with the the Rangers putting out that statement. You know what makes it better? 
The Rangers are the wealthiest team in the NHL. They are the highest valued team in the entire NHL. All right, NHL, you want to piss anybody off? Cool. You're pissing off your cash cow. Because most people don't realize that. Go look up Forbes valuation of NHL franchises. The Rangers outrank the Leafs, the Canadians, all of them. So this is their biggest cash cow who's now pissed at them. Gary Bettman can't be loving that. The thing I liked the most about the statement was the NHL is such a league where they air their dirty laundry behind closed doors and they always come out with such vanilla and just like awful statements on literally everything that never has a strong conviction to it. This one, I, I my mouth was wide open. Yeah, this, this was, was like... This is the harshest statement I've seen out of the NHL in a long time. So for a team to come out and say those th- things and, and call out George Peros by name and basically, you know, drag him a little bit, a lot, it was, I, I honestly don't remember the last time I've, I've heard something that strong from an organization in the NHL. It was refreshing. <laughs> it was honestly, honestly like, yeah, more of that. I'm totally good with that. Like it's entertaining they get something off their chest and, you know, maybe it, it brings more light to changeable situations like having George Peros as the, is he the head of the Department of Player Safety? Is that what his yeah. job title is? Whatever it is, yeah. Um, yeah, if I am if I can comment on, on him in that role, you know, at the start of it, you know, I, I'm I'm completely okay with someone like him being getting that job and having that position because you know if he interviews well and he says the right things he deserves to have that job um i think he fought colt Colt nor once and got his his skull cracked open on the ice so he knows what it's it's like to be injured but you know once you once you get your job and you start and you have a bad tracker to a track record and you you don't perform your duties up to what's expected of you that's when things change and I would say the suspensions have been inconsistent and confusing at the best of times or non-existent. So yeah, maybe this off season or however they, when they replace those levels of employees is time to review it. That might be something worth discussing, but um, yeah, I don't know. The whole, the whole situation is just absolute madness. I think even if you, don't think what Tom Wilson did was that bad or, or you fall more on Evan's side of the argument where, you know, at best, maybe a suspension just to cool things down. But altogether, you know, you can see why Tom Wilson did what he did. I, I still don't see how anyone could complain about that statement. If you like what Tom Wilson did, then you have to think that the Rangers were well within their rights. And yeah, you're right, Brad. The league completely hates it because the, they, the league likes to have – full control they like to have an iron fist or these they're like the pga the pga is the same way they make sure their brand is squeaky clean at all times and when anything comes out like this it is a bombshell yeah i like anywhere like any part of life if you're going to try to elicit 100 control fine better not fuck up absolutely you're gonna hear about it exactly And Evan's right. The NHL likes their squeaky clean reputation. So how satisfying is it for the rest of us to watch the game tonight, knowing George Peros is in the building, Gary Bettman's watching, 
There's three fights before the puck is dropped. It's a gong show. 100 minutes of penalties just in the first period. Uh, Buchnevich cross-checks Mantha in the face in the second period. So imagine Buchnevich gets suspended and Tom Wilson doesn't. He will. I'll put money right now. He's going to get suspended. Oh, of course. That'd be the most NHL bullshit ever. Um, Two players. Don't cross-check people in the face, but you know. Yeah, still. Um, Two people are out of the game with injuries. One of them being Tom Wilson. How legitimate that injury is. Who knows? We don't know yet, but he's not coming back tonight. Um, And we can say how big of a piece of human garbage Tom Wilson is all you want. You can be pro Wilson, anti Wilson. It doesn't matter. He plays on the Capitals first line and he is now not playing in this game because of this crap. Now, if he got suspended, would he be playing in this game? No. But would his next game be in question? No. You know when he's coming back. Nobody knows the severity of this injury now. And if it's anything severe, that takes him out of any playoff games. Cool. Now the NHL Department of Player Safety screwed the Rangers and the Capitals. Because if Wilson's suspended for this game, none of this happens. And you know who loves this? The NHL. Oh, no, yeah. they don't. The NHL oh, has to do. love this game. 100%. They're going to love they're going to love the ratings they get from this game cuz everybody's watching, but fighting's going down in the NHL. This is not the norm. This is not what they advertise. If the NHL wanted this, they would make shit like this happen more often and they could. They could easily make stuff like this happen, loosen restrictions here, change some rules there, but they don't because they don't want this. The NHL is getting embarrassed tonight and they deserve it. I don't like think you, they're getting embarrassed. I don't, I don't think, think they, so I don't either. think they think they're getting embarrassed. I you think, I don't think right so either. Yeah. All my buddies you, you in the group right. chat are, are watching. They're loving it. Like, you know. We, us as podcasters, we love like the high skill games, like the Toronto Oiler games, but the average person wants to just see entertainment and they don't care what form it comes in. I think this would be like for a whole nother topic off season episode. I think this would be an actual, actually interesting generational debate. I think this is like, quote unquote, a boomer game. But if you got like the, the younger generation watching this, they'd prefer the Leafs versus the Lightning type of games. I think. I think my age was sort of the last of like, I hate to say like the millennial group is sort of the last age of the staged fighting in junior hockey. I, I, cause I'm not too sure where that really tapered off. Probably, you know, maybe five years after I stopped playing. Um, but yeah, I, maybe this is just, just how I grew up. You know, this is what I know. Um, but I love it. But I also like the I like the high skill games too. But I don't know. I don't know what else be, to say. <laughs> I think that. Well, that came early. I think there's something to be said for appreciating both. Like when they all three dropped, like all three of those fights started at puck drop. I was like, this is simultaneously like a gong show. Like this is objectively stupid. But I was entertained. I'm like, you know what? If I'm a Rangers fan. I'm loving this because if the league's not going to do something about it, then this is what's going to happen. My only gripe with the Rangers is that they stopped at any point. I don't think they should have let Wilson take another step on the ice. I think they should have made him keep fighting. Like he took shifts after uh, he Wilson had one fight before he left the game. I think he left. Apparently the upper body body injury was the slash from Butinavich. Uh I think they should have fought him every second. And is that ridiculous? Sure. I'm not going to argue that, but one, it sends the message to it sends a message to the league that this is insane and we're not 
we have no problem with stepping into this newfound, like out of boundaries that you said is totally fine. If you're okay with it, then let's keep doing it. If they kept fighting until they had no one left to play and they had to call the game, I th- I would have said, good for you to the Rangers. As a form of protest, like I'm not saying the entertainment is why why it was a good thing they should have did it, done it. No, I, I think that's an argument about, I think the league <laughs> sees that as a positive side effect and anyone who thinks that the league is embarrassed, not should be, but is embarrassed, maybe is missing the mark as to how the league thinks. But no, I, I genuinely think fighting as a form of protest for the Rangers, that was valid and it was going to happen. Oh yeah, I fully support what the Rangers did tonight because they're the ones who are getting screwed by the league and who got screwed by Tom Wilson here. Um, I don't know, I'm assuming both of you guys have seen the movie Goon. If I was the coach of the Rangers tonight, when Tom Wilson's sitting in the box for his fighting major, I'm sending out my biggest, meanest guy to stand in front of the penalty box while the last five seconds of his penalty ticks down. So as soon as he steps out, he just gets grabbed and has to do it again. And I would do that all goddamn game, like you said, until I run out of players. That would be my strategy if I was the coach. But uh, I've never but yeah, wished it- that fighting majors ended not on a whistle before tonight. I wish I that it ended. Like, I know. Yeah, I know. But still, like, um, sorry. Um, the other thing I was wanted to say was the the only other you know missing piece of this is a torts quote. That's the only thing that could have topped this. If he was the coach of either of these teams, the quotes would have been just Hall of Fame worthy. Fuck you, Brooksy. That's all. Also, um, I was. Who on the Rangers is a capable fighter? Like the only person I could really think of was Brendan Smith, maybe? Brendan Smith. Yeah, well, Smith was the guy who fought Wilson. There was a couple other names in the lineup that I just I didn't recognize their names. I think uh just going by last name, Rooney was playing. I think he's played most of the season. Don't know anything about him. A guy named Baron. Like I've never these guys have not registered a thought in my mind all year before this, but I noticed they were getting some ice time in the first. So while uh, we were uh talking about this um in the second period Charo went up to brendan smith while brendan smith was on the bench so that's a little bit of red wings content for us so oh, some yeah. nostalgia of sorts i it was Charo's a scary man even at his he's, age he's the scariest man alive those like washington has chara and tom wilson and if you add um who's it reeves like those are three like you have two of the three scariest players in the nhl to fight everyone was like all the people who are like aggressively like pro wilson who are like they were happy about what he did they're like yeah but you would love him on your team i'm like yeah obviously because then he's not gonna hurt any red wings like what the he's a he's a top three player or top he's a top line winger on your team who's massive can somewhat skate and physically dominates the other team of course if the Rangers, if Tom Wilson was a was a free agent, the Rangers would sign would try to sign him. Every team would. Absolutely. Well, to be fair, the Rangers try to sign every free agent. It would so be a little bit goes with those Chris Jury's first move as the new GM. He signs oh, yeah. Tom Wilson. But okay. um but here's here's the one last point I want to make though, in regards to George Peros and why he lucked out here, but also why this can't happen going forward. Where George Peros got lucky, in a sense, is that the Rangers were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs a few days ago. This game means nothing 
to them, which means they could go out and self-police and turn this into a gong show. They were able to some extent, not enough, but some extent, keep Tom Wilson accountable for what he does. So Wilson goes, okay, yeah, that was a pain in the ass. Maybe I won't do that next time. Maybe Tom Wilson has a broken wrist and he's like, oh shit, yeah, that sucks. I don't want to do that again. Sucks for Tom Wilson, but if you self-police, this is the type of dumb shit that could happen. Where this would have been a much bigger problem is if this game meant something for the Rangers. Because this wouldn't have happened. The points were too valuable, which means Tom Wilson skates completely free and clear of any accountability for what he did. So now his thought process is, I can keep getting away with this shit for absolutely nothing. So if this incident happens three weeks ago, we're having a different conversation because the line brawl doesn't happen. None of this happens. And it's just Tom Wilson getting off scot-free. Something that Evan referenced uh, just earlier was that there's two firings today for the Rangers. Uh, This came after the statement. Uh, John Davidson, president of hockey operations, and Jeff Gorton. Gorton. Gorton is how it's pronounced by Gorton, so people don't think I'm talking about the driver here. Uh, GM. Which was a shock. And it came out immediately after that they were apparently trying to distance distance themselves from the statement. So, obviously, this statement came directly from Dolan, the owner, who is has a notorious reputation as an owner, as someone who gets two hands on and is a little bit impulsive. But, I, I mean, I still agree with what he did with the statement. I digress. Uh, that was a massive shock. Say what you want about Gordon. I think I know he's made a lot of good moves. I know he's made some questionable signings. Uh, the Rangers are a team that was trending towards being competitive within the next couple of years. And I think there's a circumstance in which they might have been a viable playoff team this year. Um, they had some weird injury stuff, whatever. Davidson does not make sense to fire as president of hockey ops. The president of hockey ops isn't the NHL head coach. You don't fire them after two seasons. Especially with how this team has turned around through a mix of luck and some shrewd moves, this was a, a shock. Apparently, this was Dolan saying it had nothing to do with this incident or them distancing themselves from the the statement. Um, it was more a performance thing, but I just I really struggled to believe that. I honestly struggled to believe that. It, how could it be a performance thing now? Obviously, the Rangers have had a lot of lottery luck, but two players aren't enough to change a franchise. And you could obviously argue Kako and Lafreniere haven't even contributed a ton yet. And the Rangers, from when they started, sent that letter to their fans that they were starting a rebuild, they're pretty well out of it. They're above 500 right now. They only got mathematically eliminated from the playoffs this week in the hardest division in the NHL. And for reference, the Red Wings only have two games left. So they held on pretty goddamn long. They are going to be good now and going forward. You cannot tell me Jeff Gorton's done a bad job. He has turned this around faster than any other team that entered a quote-unquote rebuild. Like, it, it's been a master class. He made the tough decisions. He moved on from his aging goalie. He, you know, jettisoned a couple other useless players. Sure, he overpaid Jacob Truba, but he also got Artemi Panera and Mika Zibanejad. Um, and I don't think they, his McDonough or JT Miller traits were good. What's that? I don't think his yeah, McDonough or JT Miller traits were good. I don't think he's done, had been a master class, but he's been No, he, he, he's game. not. He's not a, like a Steve Eisenman level of GM. God, it's nice to say that. But um, but he has – you can't tell me he's done a 
bad job. That that's my point. He, you, you have to let him see the rebuild through to judge how he's done. And they're literally on the upswing of it. And now you're gonna say he didn't. I'm sorry. I'm calling bullshit now. Should Gorton and Davidson try to, quote unquote, distance themselves from the statement? No, embrace it. Support your team. Um, Dolan's the one who's going to be paying the fine. I don't know why they would give that much of a shit. So that was stupid on them. But like, oh, my God, how do you release that statement and not can like. Talk about it with your president of hockey ops and your general manager. Jesus Christ. Even when James Dolan does something good, he screws it up like. This yeah. is just a shit show. And this is why hockey can't have nice things. I find I it think- so hard to believe that it's a performance related thing because if New York looked at the, at their division at the start of the year and they thought they would be better than Washington, Boston, Philadelphia, the Islanders and the Pittsburgh, they're, they're dreaming like those minus Philly this year, but Philly seems to have just been an anomaly. Like there is no way like they could compete maybe for a playoff spot, which they did. Mm-hmm. There's no way I see them as a better team than uh, most of those other than Philly this year at yeah. this point. So I just, I just don't buy it at all. And it was, there's clearly some sort of internal conflict after that um, statement was released. And, you know, the owner's got full reins, I guess, on how he moves his personnel. And if he wants everybody, you know, pulling the same way, then that uh, he's lucky he's got Chris Drury as as the backup. Yeah, I mean, the, the long and short of this is that some teams around the NHL who are struggling to find really strong hockey personnel uh, now just lucked out. All it takes is an owner who's willing to pay and you have someone who's really respected in uh, Davidson. You have someone who's pretty well respected in Gordon. Um, I, I think a lot of it. Yeah, go ahead. The Rangers are 14th in the league in points. They have yeah. more points than some playoff teams in other divisions. So I just, yeah, I just don't buy it. Like they can say whatever they want, but I think everybody sees right through that. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I can try to find the things that Gorton didn't do great, but so much of this te- this league success is is built on luck, and generally guys aren't punished for being lucky. And he hasn't. His everybody was moves. saying like, "Oh, look at the Rangers, how they've done the rebuild," and like everybody's tipping their caps and saying how that's now the the standard of how you should be rebuilding teams. Mind you, they've got like two of the top picks recently, but anyway, um, but like, yeah, like. I'd say the Rangers are in a fantastic spot going forward. So it to me, it, it screams internal conflict and has nothing to do with how people are doing in their jobs. It's just they need everybody pulling the right way. And you know what? If an owner feels like that, they have every right to do that because now this team's starting to round the bend. You cannot have disagreements between the owner, the, the head of hockey ops, and your GM. Like That's just... Unless they can squash the bad blood, like that's just a just bad something bad brewing that they cannot have. Well, I mean, Dolan is pretty well hated in the NBA, and he does this. He, he pulls this crap with the Knicks a lot. I don't even he know has who that he reputation. is. He's is, this is, is that he's just a, a maverick does his own thing. Uh, he Mark he makes Mark Cuban look 
like I know some people have mixed feelings on Mark Cuban. He makes Mark Cuban look infallible. Like Dolan is pretty well hated by Knicks fans and non-Knicks fans. So now that he made this move, every single thing that happens with the New York Rangers is it now goes up to the owner. I I fucking hate that in sports. I get it. It's your team. You own it. It's your money. Do what you want with it. But I'm sorry. I have yet to find an owner who knows better than the professionals in the roles to run the organization. You have no idea how long it takes to rebuild. You clearly have no grasp on the way things work. Like, yes, I agree that the statement was good. But like Brad said, fill in the people who matter, the decision makers. And if you want to overrule them and say, hey, guys, I know you have this this opinion and this doesn't mesh with the old boys club, but I'm putting this out there and I need you on board and that's what I pay you for. Like the, I'm pulling that card right now. You have to do that. Anyways, uh, much like all the focus in the NBA is on him, everything that happens to the Knicks, uh, it's going to be in the NHL. And I would, I, it's not like a threat. Dolan very clearly doesn't give a shit. Like he's why would he? grossly <laughs> rich. Yeah. but And he knows those teams will forever – have infinite bankroll because of where they are in the city that they're based in. So anyways, so he'll, he'll sleep okay at night, I think. Uh, so that's our opening segment on the Wilson <laughs> Rangers. Drama. Uh, I'm going to, let's very quickly chat about uh, some Red Wings news before we jump into some U18 updates here. Um, Ronick, Zadina and Verona all going to play for the Czech Republic. The checkmates, as Ken Daniels would call them, are going to play for the Czech Republic in the world. So that was uh, some expected but nice news. So we get to continue to watch them even after these next two games. Um, and it'd be cool to see them further develop their chemistry as well. Um, Maybe they'll be allowed to play on the same line in that with that team. Honestly, just play Hronik as a forward on that team. Not that I think Might he's Might as well. Like, Who cares? Yeah, but just for fun. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi had back surgery. So... Uh, just this past week, I believe. So really strange injury situation. Very much reads like they were hoping they didn't have to have surgery or it got worse when they weren't expecting it to. I mean, the guy played a game, two periods of a game before or after he got hurt. So this didn't go to plan, but uh, he's expected to be back for the start of next season, which is good. Yeah, the timing of it was weird because if he got injured in January, but he just had his surgery in, what is it now, May? That feels odd. And they announced that he was going to be out for the season a while ago. So this is, that wasn't new news either. So yeah, I can't well, fully wrap my head around why now. It was a hospital for special surgery. So it must have been something tricky or something that they weren't completely certain about. And, you know, yeah, that makes sense. Back surgeries are, are tough. Like Red Wings fans don't have to be told how debilitating back injuries are. Like that's what took down Henrik Zetterberg way early. So. If they wanted to avoid a pretty intensive, rough surgery that's going to be hard to recover from, I don't blame them for trying to. It, it's that has a real impact on his career trajectory. Could have been a lot of you know seeking out second opinions as well, um, which is very typical uh, in the back surgery world. I got a buddy who's had a back surgery, and he got a ton of second, triple, quadruple opinions on on what he had to get done. And you know, I play golf four times a week. So I know what it's like to have a bad back. Um, yeah. And you carry this podcast too. Like that's a lot of weight. The, my nickname is the Sherpa. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm hoping it doesn't have too big of an impact. The very, like I'm talking cold heart, cold hearted. Like this isn't a nice thing at all to say. If you want to draw a silver lining on this, Eisman should be able to get Bertuzzi on a cheap deal. This next one, 
you know, this is a player who by all rights was going to come in and play and justify a much more expensive contract. This kicks that can down the road yet again. So um, very much look for, for Eisman to hopefully lock him in a little bit longer term. Even if it's short term, though, it'll be I, I think it'll be a comfortable dollar value. Well, I I know we'll have this conversation a ton over the off season because once again it's going to be a long off season for the Red Wings. But because um, now we're going to have the back and forth of okay, well, do you give a long term deal to a guy fresh off back surgery who hasn't played since said back surgery, but you can't give him a short term deal because he's one year away from UFA. So <laughs> they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't here. Honestly. <laughs> I I don't like bringing this up. I didn't like bringing it up with Mantha when we brought it up earlier on. Like this was before he got traded. But if you sign Bertuzzi to a, a cost control deal that's pretty friendly to other teams, and he comes in and plays well enough earlier on, and you get a Mantha type offer, you have to consider moving him. I, I I'm not a big fan of the idea of moving Bertuzzi, but there's now, like you said, Brad. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of uncertainty. We have to see how he's going to recover from this. Um, he plays an intense game and you take away his tools to do that and he becomes a different player. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's something to keep an eye on. Um, okay, let's move things along here. Uh, let's give a quick uh, U18 tournament update. Um, what's happened since the uh, knockout round started uh, around last episode. Uh, the quick update is uh, Canada started up the bulldozer and hasn't taken their foot off the gas. Poor, poor Sweden. What was the they, final score? Uh, I I flicked over to the Rangers Capitals game when with I think two minutes left in the Canada game and it was eight one. So now in the two games Canada's had to play Sweden, Canada won by a combined score of twenty to two. Yeah. Shane Wright and Connor Bedard are just, there's something special. Like, you, a blind person could see how talented they are and how good they are going to be at the next level. Like, it is just, it is something else. They are the two best teams, two best teams, two best players on Team Canada. And it's not particularly close. And their combined and age are- is, is, is younger than you literally like actually literally that is insane wait evan are you 31 yet no thank god okay so you're close um yeah shane Wright's 16 connor bedard's 15 and they are ripping this tournament apart connor mcdavid holds the u16 scoring record in this tournament so by a player under the age of 16 with 14 points in seven games connor bedard's got 12 and six so he needs two or three points in the gold medal game to tie or break Connor McDavid's record. Shane Wright's missed two games in this tournament, so he's a year older than Bedard, but God knows what other U-17 records he could have beat. And uh, yeah, they are not even up till the 2022 or 2023 draft, and they are the best players on this team, and probably two of the three best players in this tournament, with the third being Matt Vemichkov in Russia, who's also not eligible till 2023. We have this is unprecedented what we are seeing right now. It's a weak tw- 2003 age draft class, which we know about coming into this draft, combined with these absolutely ridiculous talents have made this maybe the most unique U18 tournament ever. And because usually CHL players are 
you know, the good teams with the good players are prepping for playoffs. So this is like all hands on deck for this one. But I think if Shane, if Shane Wright was draft eligible this year, he would go first overall, right? Yes, a thousand percent. Okay. okay even, good. <laughs> even if, even if he was a year older, so you take away how young he is. If he was doing what he's doing as a 17 year old, he's first overall. If Connor Bedard was doing what he's doing right now as a 17 year old, he's probably first overall. So the fact that they have a year and two years respectively to get better before they get drafted, it, it's unbelievable. We're going to see some insane numbers in terms of points in the CHL in the next year, two years, hope, hoping to God we get back to some sort of regularity and games played. It- Connor Bedard is going to go through his entire next season ripping apart the WHL, and then he'll still have another season after that to rip apart the WHL. He's going to put up 200 goddamn points on that league. He's going to get just going to get bored. He'll get exceptional status to play in the NHL. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. That probably wouldn't happen, yeah. and you wouldn't want I, that to happen. But it's no, but like, that's funny. Where are they supposed to play K- the KHL? Like, I don't know. They might, maybe by the time he's there, they'll have reworked the CHL and HL agreement. There's a lot of, um, you know, we have a lot of 250 points. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of discussion that I think is a little bit uh, dismissive of the OHL and the CHL. Like hockey fans and us, we have to remember that that's an important product. Like they, they act as a junior league for NHL teams and that's not a service that should be looked over, right? Like it's very convenient for the NHL. So they can't just tear away all of their money makers. It's hard to be profitable in the CHL. That said, I think edge cases and exceptions like this should be noted. Like if you're oh, going to have butts someone in, in the, even the low attendance OHL teams, when Shane Wright comes to town, like, you know, that will be the marquee event. Like it, they need to have players like him and Connor Bedard um playing in the the chl so i'm all for it but at what at what cost to other people's uh, abilities like they're just gonna torch the the league up you're gonna have a first round goalie being drafted and his save percentage was like 842 because he played in bedard's division yeah (laughs) that'd be that'll be that'll be a league leader probably honestly no it's it's such a funny concentration of talent like it's insane yeah, it's funny too because um, while we were, I was on Facetime. Um, she's been on the podcast before, Lauren Gable from Team Canada uh, Women's Team. Her family actually owns like a hockey training center, so they literally teach people to shoot a puck for a living. One of the many reasons Lauren's as good as she is. And we watched that toe drag snapshot that he scored a second goal with today, and I'm like, that might be the best snapshot I've ever seen. Full stop. Like it was unbelievable he dragged it around the defenseman stick in one motion got his release off quickly and literally hit the junction of the post and the crossbar and the goalie had zero chance going crossbody like i could not wrap my head around that shot how anybody could do that let alone a 15 year old i couldn't count to 15 when i was 15 this when guy's you, doing that when you iso cam them in those games like they're they already have like the the game sense and the ability of better than some NHLers. Like you watch them and it's just incredible. Like honest question. If Connor Bedard, as he is right now at 15 is in the NHL, does he have a top 20 snapshot in the NHL? His release he is might. disgusting. He might, he legitimately might. And that's horrifying for goalies. 
Um, Tom Wilson would body slam him in uh, below the <laughs> ice, so I don't think we can allow that experiment to happen. Finals of the U18s are going to be Canada versus whoever wins this Russia-Finland game, which is currently 2-1 Russia. Uh, for context, uh, the States fell to the Swedes in the quarters, so uh, for those wondering about that. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to be doing a whole tournament wrap. Uh, before we jump into the prospect profile, some other quick notes that I forgot. Um uh, Helene St. James reported today that Bobby Ryan, the reason he was out for the year, uh, says he has a deteriorate, deteriorated tendon in his right triceps, which is a terrible thing to have, uh, had surgery, um, is rehabbing well, apparently. Um, also, Bergeron confirmed is leaving the SHL. He's leaving Shaleftia and is coming over to North America, presumably um, on uh, watch to join the Red Wings organization officially, and we'll probably see him in Grand Rapids next year. Okay. Yes, because it is it's important to note he still has not signed a contract with the Detroit Red Wings, but him leaving Shaleftia, all signs are pointing to that contract coming soon. Uh NHL prospect profile from Kamloops. I mean, I guess officially from Kamloops in the dub in the WHL, Logan Stankovin. Brad, believe it or not, take us away. Well, what else is there to say? Um Hey, don't make me send you, don't make me send a cease and desist. <laughs> well, am I, no, I'm, what is it? Uh, You'll be hearing from my lawyers. You'll be hearing from my lawyers. <laughs> okay. So Logan Stankovin, actually one of the assistant captains uh, for Team Canada at the U18s right now is an undersized forward who's. I'll say a half-decent skater, not a trademark of his game, but gets around the ice quick enough, is, oh, God, you, calling the kid Charlie Hustle feels like too much of a cliche because it's not fair to him because he's a skilled player and he makes skilled plays, but he is everywhere all the time. Um, not that it's an apples-to-apples comparisons, and I know people hate NHL player comparisons, but for me, I like doing it. So if he's successful in the NHL, this is kind of the role I would see him being successful in. Every time I watch Logan Stankovan, I get this big Brendan Gallagher vibe. Like, he's not particularly exceptional at anything. Like, he's, he's just not, and he's very undersized. But he flies around the ice like an absolute piss missile. He's involved in everything. The puck always seems to find him. When it's on his stick, he can make plays, whether that's a goal or an assist. And it's not like any of this is coming out of nowhere. He had 10 points in six games before the U18s with Kamloops. He's over a point per game in the U18s, and he was near a point per game as a 16-year-old. So he he can clearly produce. So if he's going to make it at the NHL, for him, it's just going to be refining his skills, honing in the chaos because he can do it and he does do it. And he's just got to do it more consistently and a little faster than he's doing it now. He does it fast enough for juniors, but there's not a lot of huge technical flaws to his game. So I do think there is a lot of room for growth in his game still, which combined with his, you know, the word everybody hates intangibles. I really do think there's a good prospect in here and he's not ranked. Um, I don't think above 20 in any ranking I've seen at least. So, you know, if we talk about targets um, for the Red Wings second first round pick or their early second round pick, Stankovin's a guy I've had circled since we got that pick. So, and we always talk about that quote unquote Iserman type. What type of player does Iserman like? 
again, throw a giant circle around Logan Stankovic because this is exactly what the Red Wings are looking for in a player. Yeah, I hated the cliche too, but my immediate thought was Energizer Bunny. Like, you're right that his top speed isn't that great. Like, he's not the, the world's best skater. And if you're going to be 5'8", generally people look for you to be a little bit of a better skater. But the fact that he's always roving, he's always pressuring, he's always pushing, very tenacious game, like, it, it, it wasn't a concern for me. I think, Brad, you, you hit a point there when you're talking about refining raw skills. The guy is skilled with the puck. He has a good release too. He has a good shot. And I think if he can make those things – you know, major facets of his game, major strong points of his game. Because when he makes the NHL, he's not going to stand out physically and he's not going to, you know, blow past guys because he doesn't have the feet for that. But if he's able to combine those things, like you said, he he kind of does a lot of things pretty well. If he's able to combine those things to get to the high danger area where he can use a really good release and fire that puck home, then you have a guy with a really good, you know, wrist or a really good release uh, who's dangerous from between the circles, who's dangerous from the the hash marks. Um, and again, he has the puck skills. So he's good playing in tight. He, this is a player who will be effective in the offensive zone. I see this as a player who will be effective on a creative, well-structured power play. Um, eyes, the Iserman type is, is exactly right. Like, I think he has those boxes checked. I'm not too ambitious about him in the first round is my thing. I don't know if I see enough high-end skill there to justify taking a chance on him. If there's no one else, I could completely understand taking him with a super late first-round pick if that's where Washington's pick ends up being for Detroit. Um, But I I would push more for maybe a a second-round look at him as of right now. That said, I I do agree that he's increased his draft stock. So... (laughs) Any other year would I want, would I take Stankovic in the late first round? No, probably not. But again, it's a weak draft. But when I was actually diving into Stankovic and and where I was putting him in my rankings, that was literally the moment I realized how much I hate this draft outside of the top like 12. It is not good. (laughs) I I don't have any comfortable projections uh, beyond the top 8 to 12 players in this draft. And it is a giant crapshoot from there. So... Yeah, this is a a draft where I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to put maybe a little more emphasis on the intangibles just because you're you're not getting any sure bets outside of the top 10 this year. Trade back. That's what I'm saying. Jump in, Evan. We know what's coming. Well, what else is there left to say? We We need to get an Um, no, I, I think I agree with both of you guys in, in most regards, like his shot is insane. Like he has a, a pro level shot, uh, a high tier pro level shot, and he's got ridiculously quick feet. Um, so obviously that means he's got good acceleration, a good escapability, good one-on-one. Um, my only real issue is taking someone who's, what is he? Five, nine. On, five, on a good day, 5'8", yeah. is taking someone that short with your f- end up with a first-round pick. You know, yeah, you're 11 tons. inches taller than Brad only. Yeah, yeah. If you're part of the band that took the ring into Mordor. Um, anyways, um, I like there's tons of sh- shorter guys in the NHL. Like there's Alex Debrinkit, there's, you know, Brad Marchand, there's Jonathan Marsh or so. Those guys are all around the five, eight to five, 10 mark, but none of them were first round picks. Um, 
you know, mind you, that all depends on the draft that they're in, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and every situation is completely different. But, you know, I guess it's really feeling what the other talent in that proximity is at that part of the draft. You know, if there's really nothing you're liking and you want the little the little engine that could, um, then by all means, go for him. I would not be upset if the Red Wings picked him at all. I, I really like it. And, you know, I, I, the Red Wings would love to have a Brendan Gallagher on their team. Um, someone who can provide some points, play up and down the lineup, you know, as a, a lunch pail type of guy, you know, chalk, clocks in at nine, clocks out at five. I think the Red Wings fans would love a guy like this. Yeah, almost the same vibe you get from Tyler Bertuzzi. Not the, the same player, not the same skill set, obviously not the same size. But yeah, you know, heart and soul guy who who puts it out there. But is Sell it a lot of jerseys? I think if you made yeah. if you made the NHL at some point, good hockey, you good unique hockey name too. Uh, Logan Stankovan, that's an early look at his prospect profile. Might be someone that we revisit as well. Uh, it's been a full day of yelling about tom wilson so uh let's move on to overtime here and overtime uh is sponsored today by the FanDuel FanDuel sportsbook who we are pumped to partner with because they give us fans what we really need right now because <laughs> there's a lack of it in hockey today more excitement more on that to come let's do our FanDuel sportsbook uh betting segment where we make our picks and you decide whether you want to agree or disagree with us to make your money um some betting lines to look at you know, I had a friend reach out to me today said, what should I do for uh, New York, Washington? And I said, stay the hell away from that game because everyone you know or would want to bet on is going to be in the box. Um, let's go with Rangers at Boston. Rangers are obviously the underdog here, plus 172. I don't think you take this Rangers team for the rest of their season, albeit, what is it, one or two games. I think you take Boston with the underdog money there. I think the I mean, the emotional tank is empty for the Rangers at this point. I think they're just going to play these last few games out, hope for the best, and see on the first tee. So I'm taking – well, you said it was Boston? It doesn't even matter. Yeah. I'm taking the <laughs> other team. And they're going to be doing it all on an emotionally empty tank without their best player. So, yeah, yeah, Boston for sure. Mind you, this is the time of year where teams who are sol- are is Boston now. Boston's not solidly in third place. Um, teams typically, you know, do the old load management. Um, but I'd still take Boston. Yeah. Uh, another one where you'd capitalize on some poor circumstances for a team. You have Vancouver visiting Edmonton, plus two twenty underdogs. I think you take Edmonton at the minus two seventy favorites. If you want to want the safe money it's not a huge payout but you have Connor mcdavid shooting for 100 points in 56 games this is a team that's trying to get in gear for the playoffs and you have vancouver who's playing an average of like three games a night right now to try to close out their season i think you take i think that's where you take edmonton here over under is set at six and a half so if you want to come in the under sure but um i think it's pure betting line here uh, i'm confident going with edmonton there mcdavid might hit the over himself so for whatever that's worth and so- there's anybody who can just do what they want out there other than Tom Wilson, it's Connor McDavid. And if Connor <laughs> McDavid needs five points to hit a hundred, he's getting six. My God. So take, I- take, take Edmonton. Absolutely nuts. Uh, Chicago, who, you know, at one point was the team who might come in and make the playoffs unexpectedly. who's fallen off now. 
heavy underdogs plus 265. They're visiting Carolina, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NHL, who is the minus 320 favorite. Do you even touch that? Is that even worth your time? No, that's a Chicago bet or don't bother. Hockey's too random to not to jump on the favorite there for that much risk with that little payout. That's a that's a YOLO Chicago bet for me all day. That's where you throw down like, you know, 10 bucks of or however much just for, for play money, you know? You just, oh, let's see what happens. Because Carolina is insanely good right now. You know, maybe they'll rest guys because they're they're sitting pretty in, in first. But yeah, I, I'm taking Chicago just just for fun. Uh, okay, maybe last one we look at here: the Devils visiting the Islanders. The Devils are the plus two twenty five underdogs, and the Islanders minus two seventy five favorites. It's the end of season, right? So a lot of these, like you have really good team versus really bad team. One of these has to be an upset. If it's not Chicago, maybe you take the Devils here. I don't know. Uh, my general rule of betting is I always take the Islanders in the under, so I'm going to stick with it. Yes, this is an uh, the Islanders are an auto under for me. Um, but both of those teams have been. I don't know what their their difficulty of schedule has been, but they're both very similar records in the past ten. So you know they're. Who's right behind them in the Islanders in the standings? The Rangers and the Rangers are mathematically eliminated. This might be the perfect game for the Islanders to rest up and get ready for Pittsburgh. So they might rest some guys. I would I would be going with the Devils here. I'm going to go with the Devils too. Brad yellowed on the Blackhawks. I'll yellow on the Devils, but I'll also take the under. It's set at five and a half. Oh, it's 100 percent the under. If it's, I thought it would yeah. be like three and a half. <laughs> no, no, the under, the under is the favorite two of the two. But uh, yeah, it's it's the Devils. It's the Devils who aren't going to score a lot, and it's the Islanders who aren't going to let a lot in. So I'll take the yeah. under there. Um, okay, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, they're letting you place your first bet risk free up to one thousand dollars. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to take advantage uh, of that offer, and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel Podcast sent you. Again, that's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be twenty-one and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in fourteen days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 in colorado 1-800-BETS-OFF in iowa 1-800-9-WITH-IT in indiana 1-800-GAMBLER in new jersey pennsylvania illinois or virginia tennessee redline 1-800-889-9789 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in west virginia or call 1-800-270-7117 in michigan FanDuel sportsbook promo code wwp all right let's jump into overtime here uh to wrap up this episode of the wind wheel podcast midweek episode uh hey guys last episode of the regular season and funny enough the red wings had like seven days off so we had barely any red wings to talk about um yeah um game update here um tj oh she's crying on the bench she completed the hat trick first game back after his father passed away yeah what a game sad insane (sighs) okay some Patreon comments. Ruthless and Toothless says, I'm not a believer of buying into the hype of any player or players, taking a more logical approach to the development of the player over the course of a career. If they succeed, fantastic. If they don't, we're no worse for wear. However, I predict the next time the Wings win the Stanley Cup, Cider will be wearing the C and not Larkin. 
may be obvious for some, but for me, it's a massive departure, especially because I'm a huge Larkin fan. I think down the road, he'll be a remarkable trade piece to get this team over the top. Side note, I watched Darren McCarty break down the 97 March 26 brawl on Woodward Sports. Uh, had a smile on my face the entire video. Uh, Cody Stark says my buddy coached uh, against Chase Bradley's Sioux City team in the USHL, said he completely controlled the game and was with, and was the best player on the ice. Something to look forward to. I've been hearing a little bit more about Chase Bradley, so that's interesting. Uh, he, and he's got a potential outlook as a fourth liner with a touch of ops, offensive upside. Uh, Antonio Gracias says, aside from criminal charges or something extreme like that, what do you think it'll take to see someone actually banned from the NHL? I'm not saying Wilson should or shouldn't be, but what do you think a player's when do you think a player's rap sheet will eventually lead to an all right or sorry an outright ban? Um, what would be the straw breaking the camel's back for some sort of act so egregious it warrants a lifetime ban? If uh, George Paris is still in charge, not possible. I don't think we're going to see a straw that breaks the camel's back situation. I don't think the league wants that. I don't think the PA wants that. You would need a player attacking another player, like two hands swinging at their face with a stick, like using your skate as a weapon, something something that would actually well, draw charges. Well, Duncan Keith slashed multiple people in the face, and uh, I think he got a combined six games. So, you know, even that doesn't do it. I mean, I would think it would have back, to be so. something off the ice, like someone gets murder charges or something horrible and they get released and the NHL's like, look, you're done, bud. Like, well, you don't want to touch this at all. Well, maybe Jake for Tannen soon. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Tony Hatcher says that interview with Igor Larionov, the second, uh, was one of the best and most interesting interviews I've heard in a while. I hope the NHL works out for him because it needs more personalities like him. Um, Obviously, we covered the Rangers statement, but he's hoping to see more of that as the NHL Department of Player Safety will inevitably drop the ball again. Do you think the increased spotlight from team statements will have any impact? Yeah, I think I think that'll make a difference. The league might try to push back and against that kind of thing happening and, and find the, the Rangers, but I, I think they made their voice heard, and I think we'll see some kind of change from it. Uh, Slava Kozlov's doppelganger says, Ryan, I'm going to make you read this. I, Ryan, am founder and biggest contributor of the Brad Crisco fan group. Um, I got, oh, thank you for that. I got my first real NHL jersey, $43 for a Mantha jersey on the Dick's website. Goodbye, DHgate. Hello. Or goodbye, Alibaba. Goodbye, having bright white shoelace instead of the cream color lace in the 2014 Winter Classic fake. Do you guys have any fake jerseys? Also, Brad, since you listened to, I'm assuming you pronounced it this band, Paris. Do you know the band Cyan Kicks? I have never heard of them, so I will have to check that out. Um, and all the fake jerseys I own are football. Uh, I was given a fake jersey before. I don't really mind having it. I think it's fine, especially if you know you're going to be like wearing a jersey at an occasion it might get dirty. Yeah, I've paid enough money for real jerseys in my life. It's a pawn jersey. That's what yeah. fake jerseys are for. I think I might actually still have a Datsuk fake from like eight years kicking around somewhere which was my default pawn jersey because i didn't give a shit if i got beer or blood on it so it all it all worked out and it's easier to fake nfl jerseys so uh, a buddy of mine has gifted me a couple i remember i was looking at a jersey on aliexpress one time and it was a nyquist jersey so i opened up the the tab and it wasn't a T on the end. It was an I. So it was Nyquizzy. <laughs> Nyquizzy. It was only 30 bucks. I should have just bought it. It would have been a funny, 
It would have been a funny story. I could have worn it to games. Yeah. People would be like, you know, your jersey spelled wrong. I'd be like, oh, really? No, it's Night Quizzy. <laughs> Goose dot Night Quizzy. Hey, he's from the Italian Super League. Yeah. Uh, Deathman6452 says, it's no question that Wilson should be suspended, but that fine just confirmed the NHL is on the same level of NFL uh, in terms of player safety. Is the only way we see real change at the next CBA or will this just fade away? I don't think we have to wait for the CBA, but uh, I don't know. Alex Zucco says, theoretical question, the Wings caps in a playoff matchup this year. Would you alter the lineup to get a tough guy in there? Or do you roll your regular lineup and just take an avoidance approach with Wilson? Yeah, you don't engage with Wilson to start. You hope that he doesn't blow the series up. Like, you don't want guys getting hurt. I will repeat, this is what makes Tom Wilson so valuable. He's an intimidating factor that can also play the game of hockey. Get somebody like that and dress them. I don't care what you think of Giovanni Smith. He has more value as a fourth liner than any of our bottom six forwards currently. Not that he's light years better than any of them. He's not, but it's because he brings that extra element. So would Giovanni Smith contribute more to the game of hockey than Darren Helm? Well, probably, but let's assume he doesn't. Even if he's on the same level as Darren Helm, it's still more valuable to have him in the lineup just in case. La Plata Peak says, I believe uh, that if the Wings win the number one or two spots in the lottery, that Beniers will be the pick. Regardless of that, I also think Dylan Larkin's future with the Red Wings will be very apparent based on the number of centers that Eisman selects, but more importantly, when he makes those picks. I understand that centers like pitchers can be uh, never truly be seen in surplus, but it's the one position that Eisman hasn't placed a high priority, and that's one of the reasons this re- rebuild is taking a little longer than some of us would like. Not convinced that Larkin is in long-term... Er, Larkin is in Eisman's long-term plans, but if he fails to draft a center with either of the first-round picks, I will be. Bad take Brad Biggums says, I'm biased as hell as a Caps fan, but God, people seem like such crybabies. Like Probert did a lot worse. All I hear is wah, 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 uh, LOL, doge to the moon, boys. Update, John Davidson and Jeff Gordon got fired. How sad. That was one thing I wanted to ask, but I know the conversation was going on far too long and we needed to move on, but... And it was, it's like, how can we, you know, be upset about the Tom Wilson stuff, but then also have National Turtle Day and stuff like that? But you know what? I'm all for, you know, my side. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent in for the, for the, the violence and the mayhem. So you know where I sit on it. But you know, that was one thing I was thinking about while I was trying to, you know, build my thoughts for this episode. You absolutely can not compare anything nowadays to oh i know anything I know. that happened in the pre like 2000 it like, was a freaking bloodbath back then we it's two different realities with two different it's basically two different sports at this point you can't even compare it i had assistant coach who played taidomi in the ohl and taidomi used to go behind the team benches like because the rooms were on the same side as the benches, and it was all ceramic tile. You could hear Taidomi walk down on the ceramic tile on his skates and beat the shit out of people in the in their locker rooms. That's so we're in a different era, but yeah, that was yeah. one thing I wanted to bring uh was thinking about. Matt McKay says, Hey Wingville Podcast, hope you're all doing well. If the Wings were to win the draft lottery this year, would you weaponize that pick and trade it for a 2022 or 2023 first? Or would you take your chances? Thanks for all you do, Matt. Uh, unless that's a first plus a lot, I'm taking the chance to draft first overall this year. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because And who are the teams that are going to be willing to trade a 2022 first? The teams that aren't going to be picking anywhere near number one. If Buffalo comes up, hey, we'll give you a 2022 first for this one. You consider it because that could be Shane Wright. But in the only teams that are going to offer you that are like going to be like the Islanders and Tampa. Who cares? No, I, I would take the. I would make the pick. Third man in says, uh, up until recently, many would have taken Chalosky or Hronik over Chikorin straight up, but let alone both plus moving the Datsu contract. This season, that's no longer straightforward, uh, which is more of a factor here. Is Arizona better at developing D than Detroit or are defensemen uh, that hard to project? I will say Chikorin was supposed to be good from the start, so it's not exactly a surprise. Yeah. Chikrin was a top 10 pick that somehow fell to 16. That being said, I've said numerous times before and will continue to say Dennis Chalosky is the perfect case study in how to not handle a prospect. Sam W says, can you break down in one Mike Milbury rant all the reasons the Wilson incident was different than what transpired with McCarty Lemieux in 97? Maybe we should do that next episode or in a future episode because that's probably worthy of a conversation. Uh, Jamie Hackman says, Hey boys, what do you think about Hronik's development? And do you think he has a future, uh, with Detroit as a top four D? Uh, he is an RFA this year. It'll be interesting to see what type of deal he gets. Yeah, he's, he's still good. He's, we've obviously very much cooled on him as a power play quarterback and a top two option, but he's still good. I will say, I think his next season needs to be much better. Otherwise I will be very concerned. Um, Matt S says, hello, dub dub crew. Keep up the good work. It's just a matter of time before Wilson ends a career. Good player, but I'm starting to, starting to put him in the Rafi Torres, Matt Cook, Chris Simon type player. And the sad part is it's not the eighties or nineties where there's a Probert McCarty, um, Rob Ray, Ty Domi, Kosher, uh, et cetera, on the team protecting players from, uh, protecting the stars from cheap shots. If the NHL doesn't fix a response to events like this, players like Wilson would keep getting away with it on a lighter note i enjoyed your interview with larry Onoff. was entertained the whole time i would love to hear him back on the pod soon who would your dream interview be uh for the podcast it's steve eisenman with no coach speak or with no gm speak like steve eisenman open flow of information or steve eisenman with true serum injected and hooked up to a lie detector if we could travel back in time i would love to have had gordy on the show of course I'd also like, I'll also go with Steve Ott. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it would be great. (laughs) You could have done it, man. That's not, Uh, that's not rehash uh, painful memories. Uh, Mike Seward says, hey guys, keep up the great content. Uh, Who do you guys think will have the better NHL career when it's all done? Right, Bedard or Meechkoff? That is so hard. Everyone's drafted to Detroit. I agree. I think that's the best technical analysis. I'm going to go Shane Wright just because he's going to be there first. Coin flip between all three. Gun to my head right now, Bedard. The way the world's going, Shane Wright might be the only one who gets an NHL season in. <laughs> uh, Michael Lang, happy birthday. Says, my dudes, the last day of my 20s, so naturally I'll be spending it listening to three Canadian dudes talk about my favorite bad hockey team. Question is, what are your opinions on Richard Ponick now that we've seen him in the lineup for a couple of weeks? Hated when I heard he was part of the deal because I always thought of him as a dirty player. Uh, but after watching him on the wings, I kind of feel meh about him. Doesn't really seem like he gives a shit one way or the other. One way or the other. Love the pod. Meh is how I feel. They Detroit got a good asset for taking him on. He's fine. 
He's fine. He's good enough to play in a bottom six. He is not an all-effort type of player. Meh, he's fine. Brett Johnson says, hey, you're all doing awesome as usual. I'm curious to know why Bettman hasn't stepped in and done something about the Department of Player Safety. Oh, Bettman is very much on the same side of all of this. He agrees with their decisions. And if he didn't, he would have made it known. Um, Andrew Bohan says, hello, my lovely dub dub boys. Would anyone other than Washington fans miss Wilson if he was just infinity glove snapped out of existence? Hope he has a wonderful time in the second game against the Rangers. Expecting everyone will be stoked to see him on the ice with Panarin out. Yeah. Yeah. We all know how that transpired. Key piece in the Caco trade, Adam Ernie Stan Club says, I know we give NBC a hard time for their awful broadcast, but it was nice to see them looking out for their announcers and helping them find jobs for next season as the front office of the New York Rangers. The only question I have is if Pierre gets to take on the role of GM or if Milbury will show him the ropes for a few years before moving up to president. Can't wait to see the Washington fans regretting the Mantha trade after he inevitably breaks his hand in a fight. I mean, he dropped his glove after he got cross-checked in the face. He was ready to fight Buchnevich after he got cross-checked, and I don't blame him. Anthony Manthony says, what's bacon like in Canada? Is it ham? If so, what's your ham like? We have Canadian bacon in the States, but it's just ham. Please elaborate. We have regular bacon, but we also have like pea meal bacon, which I think is sorely underrated. I like both of them. Um, I don't know if you guys call pea meal bacon ham, but you should try it. Isn't that what they call it, Canadian bacon? Yeah, I guess Yeah, that's, that's Canadian bacon, and it's not quite ham. It's it's better than ham. <laughs> Uh, Evans bingo cards says the wings just hide Taylor Hall for the next two weeks to find a way to bring and find a way to bring Jeff Gordon into the fold. So uh, that way they can win the next two lotteries and get right and Bedard. Now you're thinking, now you're talking, hire him, a, uh, hire him as a special advisor. Icebox Polka says based on the defensive prowess of the wings and the apparent defensive ineptitude of the teams in the North, where do the wings play or finish if they played in the North? Dead last. Similar to the central. They might, I don't know. Uh, the north has too much firepower the north just has too much firepower i i don't think the, the north wings defense holds up to that no and the red wings offense would not be able to keep up in the all-out offense division honestly um duh, 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 duh. don mitchell says uh good evening to your sweet bippies let's have a light-hearted discussion about your dream team for the espn panel play-by-play color panel host and three panel personalities my dream team would be gary thorne for play-by-play ken daniels doing color jeff merrick hosting intermission uh paul b Snet, patrick shrep and nick kiprios personalities lastly with line a more likely than not resigning with columbus uh, would you trade this year's first round pick? Granted, it's pick six or seven for line A. No, I don't want line A's part of the age curve on the Red Wings. Not that he's old, but uh, he's also been horrific in Columbus. He's not worth that first round pick right now. Truthfully, I, I know how good he can be, but he was just downright bad this year. Like, oh, I don't even know. He would not mesh well with the Red Wings, uh, quote unquote, culture. Um, bring even though he's you know part of the Penguins, get Berkey back on the broadcast. I don't. I disagree with almost everything Berkey says, but I think he's entertaining as hell. Uh, Thomas Anderson says, "Hey guys, thanks for the entertainment. I've been enjoying watching the Griffins this year. Who should I expect to see move to the Griffins once the Red Wings season is done? Are they all eligible to play in the AHL? Uh, what's the timing like on the Griffin season? Is it not over soon?" 
I don't know, but assuming they get a couple weeks, I would say Valeno, Brome, maybe Rasmussen, probably not. Yeah, just whoever's been called up and down is who you can expect to be sent down. The season's also been a sprint and teams guys are banged up, so I wouldn't be surprised if they don't try to do too much there. Uh, Brad's Anger Manifested says 72 penalty minutes in the Capitals game in the first 10 minutes. Who do you think it would take for the Red Wings, this Red Wings team to step up and fight since Larkin getting hurt wasn't enough? Uh, I don't even want to it's talk not about Larkin. It. It's nobody. AJ Voss says, since the NHL lets a former goon be head of player safety, I'm expecting Mike Babcock to be named head of HR uh, and for <laughs> D'Angelo to be named chief diversity officer any day now. Uh, Vaxed, waxed, and ready for some wings and pizza says, hey, fellas, the Caps Rangers tilt is bananas. Not just the fights. Uh, these teams are out to injure each other. 100 plus penalty minutes. Good for Smith. Just happened uh, how different this day or just imagine how different this day would have been if Peros had just suspended Wilson for at least one game. Seeing a lot of comparisons uh, of this to the McCarty on Lemieux out there, uh, but let's not forget the year-long context that led to that moment. Darren McCarty is no Tom Wilson. Also, the Rangers totally fired JD and Gordon over them, not supporting the owner's statement. It had nothing to do with anything else but this incident. Aussie for Hall of Fame. Stay fresh, cheese bags. And last comment here is from Alex, who says, The Caps-Rangers mess is terrible for the game of hockey, and the NHL has no one to blame but themselves. The Department of Player Safety is a joke, and it led to the uh, Rangers feeling obligated to police themselves, leading to this embarrassment. Shame on the NHL. By the way, the NBC coverage of the Wings Lightning moment when the commentators mentioned Franz Nielsen as being a key missing piece was just too much for me. Good riddance to the NBC and its coverage. I'm not going to miss it. They really went out with a bang in the worst way. All right, folks. Uh, next episode is Sunday. It's going to be after, after the Red Wing season concludes. Follow us on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. Uh, we're going to be covering these last two games. There's a lot to come regarding, uh, the fundraiser we're doing and the coverage of those games. So stay tuned. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartel on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Terry, driver of Evans Furkwagen, Taylor Tagel, uh, Bad Take Brad Biggums, Brandon M, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Alkasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, Kalen Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Luke Johnson, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Connor Leighton, Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, as, as good as it gets, Shitbag Supreme, Stan Olson, Trevor Pevavar, and last but certainly not least, Vaxed, Wax, and Ready for Some Wings and Pizza. Take care, everyone. We'll see you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.